You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about really owning who you are and being unapologetically yourself. So this is something I have been grappling with myself lately. As I entered my 30s, I felt pretty confident in who I am, but I've recently realized that I think I'm still figuring out like exactly who I am and how to embrace certain parts of myself. And uh, a couple of years ago, when I started my agency, Brainchild Studios, I read Badass Your Brand by Pia Silva. And I have been a fan ever since. And I'm a fan of for so many reasons, which we'll probably touch on today. Um, But one of them is that I've always been so impressed that Pia takes so much ownership in exactly who she is and doing things her way, even if it's not like the status quo or what's expected. And that's always been something I've really appreciated. So needless to say, I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, the original badass, Pia Silva. Pia is the founder of No BS Agency Mastery, where she teaches small branding agencies how to increase profits and freedom without hiring employees using her intensive model. She developed this model with her partner at Worst of All Design, where they built entire brands in one to three day intensives. She's a TEDx speaker, a Forbes contributor, podcast host, and author of Badass Your Brand. Welcome, Pia. Thank you so much, Kelly. What a kind introduction. I'm really excited to be one of your first guests. Congratulations on this podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, trying to keep it cool and, and not fangirl too hard over here. But you're good. So, Pia, I love that, you know, people talk about titles and some people care about them and some people don't. Um, but I love how you list your title as badass. And like, <laughs> that's just it. That's just it. Um, so I would love to hear more about, um, like kind of your journey into getting into this position. And what I mean specifically is like, what were like either a moment or a series of events that kind of made you realize like, screw this, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way. And what did that look like for you? A great and loaded question. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, we're just going to jump right in, (laughs) jump right in. Um, Gosh, you know, even hearing your introduction, owning who I am, even if it's not status quo, like I think this whole journey has just been me trying things out and deciding to just try it on and own it and be it, even before I necessarily, it's not that I didn't believe it, but even before I necessarily felt completely 100%, whatever that thing is. Um, and I think that is actually why I eventually felt comfortable with an ownership of kind of owning this, calling myself a badass. Like, who does that? Right. What does that mean? I think it means just having the guts to do things. And it's been scary the whole way, <laughs> but <laughs> doing scary things and learning that the world goes on and nothing bad happens encourages you to do more scary things and you're able to level up much faster. And I've always been very impatient with wanting success and wanting to achieve things and wanting to learn things and wanting to get, you know, have a vision. And I want that vision. So I think it all comes from that impatience. I just want to get there so quickly. And I have found that the method is to just, well, I'm going to envelope myself in these ideas. I'm going to go forward with them, even though I'm, I'm going to shoot first, aim later. And <laughs> Uh, I've done that for so many years. 
when it comes to doing something different, I got as part of this, I inherited our company is called worst of all design. And it has been since the very beginning. And I'm talking about the very beginning when I was selling design services and I didn't know anything about design or branding Mm -hmm. because my partner, my fiance at the time, my husband now, worst of all was like his moniker his like, um, college nickname. So I was going to be an I group college nickname. I yeah, love totally. It. Well, it's worse. Our, our last name is Wasterville. So mm. that's what it comes from. And so I kind of inherited this name. So I was going, you know, with my ill-fitting suits, um, <laughs> trying to figure out how to get clients, but I still was saying worst of all design in these networking groups. So it wasn't, it wasn't purely a choice, but it did allow me to try on what it's like to do something different from the very beginning and have to own it. And so I did. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you got some pushback from people being like, what are you thinking? That's a absolutely terrible name. Um, everyone, (laughs) yeah, everyone, my, my uh, friends and family, not getting, you know, not even saying it's terrible name, just kind of like questioning it. Like, why would you want to do that to yourself? And aren't people going to think that you're not good at what you do? And you know, those were the moments where I had to double down and say, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, this is us and we're just going to do it. And yes, that was challenging. And yes, there were some moments where I would come home and say, Steve, it's hard enough to close clients, mm-hmm. let alone with this name. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should have a second business called Woad Designs. We thought about that. We never did it, but we thought about it. And I thought it would make my life easier. And we ultimately didn't because there was another experience I had, which was just that push pull. Some people would just say, wow, like that's a bold name, you know? And, and I liked that. I liked how it really stood out. And I experienced that early on as well. And over the years, the meaning behind it evolved very organically. Now, Mm. when people ask, why is it worst of all design? I tell them, look, we help brands stand out and be different. And saying you help people stand out and be different is the lamest, most generic, (laughs) same, same thing that you could possibly say. So instead we say, we call ourselves worst of all design and we say badass brands without the BS. And if you, and you will get that we do things differently. And, and I think people need to be their brand. I think the best branding is when you're being your brand instead of saying it. So do you see all of this juicy definitions that, that evolved out of this? That that's not what I said 10 years ago, but that's what I say now. And it's, it's authentic. So, um, I don't know. That was a long-winded answer. No, that, that, that was great. We can dive into so many things there. You said, I think it's important that you are your brand, that you, you be your brand. What are some ways that have come up for you organically or, or maybe surprised you in the process where you're like, uh, yep, this is exactly who I am. Yeah. So great one is, um, putting prices on our website. So we've been putting prices on our website since 2014. And, um, most people, I think people are doing it more and more. I'm certainly, I've written many articles about it and have tried to convince people along the way. And to me, that goes along with being transparent or being honest. You know, I feel very, I'm honest, right? Like I'm not, I'm not pulling the wool over anyone's head and I've always felt that way, but instead of what a lot of people do, a lot of our clients probably say, you know, I want to say I'm honest and I I'm transparent saying you're honest is a really lame way to say you're honest. How can you be honest? Be honest, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, how can you be transparent? Be transparent, show your prices. And when I tell people who want to be transparent, okay, so what, what could you do to be transparent? And they don't want to do it. I go, 
you know, you don't have to, but are you really transparent? Like that's the test. Are you yeah. doing things to be your brand? Because it's, it's a hell of a lot stronger if you're doing the thing and demonstrating it, not to mention it's more powerful. People have a hard time writing copy or, or branding messaging that stands out because they all say the same generic stuff. Well, you can get away from saying generic stuff if you look for ways to be your brand and then you don't have to say it at all. Yeah. And truly just owning your voice. I just went through this workshop on uh, refining perspective and it's like, damn, when I'm just like super honest about exactly how I feel about this, like, no, this isn't going to sound like anybody else's stuff. I I love love that. that. That's great. And I love as you're talking about honesty and transparency, which are two different things. um, One thing that I've been kind of playing with a little bit lately, I firmly believe that business owners, especially, I mean, I think you could say this for anybody, but especially business owners, I think that it's really important to identify your personal goals and values and build your business in alignment with those. And so as you're talking about honesty and transparency, I'm guessing that one or both of those might be values of yours. Like what are other values that you hold as an individual that you've seen pop up for your business as well? Yeah, that's a great point. And actually this whole no BS thing, I think really it came out of that desire to cut through a lot of the BS and get straight to the point with people. And Mm -hmm. I felt that a lot of the traditional ways of running agencies and all of the processes that people put people through with the strategy calls and the proposals and all of that, it just didn't really sit well with me because I mean, maybe it's because I'm born and raised in New York city. I'm like, I don't have time for this, you know, <laughs> like yeah. let's get through it. And I was doing all the steps, but it wasn't resonating with me. So, you know, things that are, are personally important to me are, you know, to your point, like figuring out what you want and putting a plan in place to go get it. and being willing to do things that make you uncomfortable and pushing mm-hmm. yourself to try new things. All of these are are high values for me. And they're things that I really encourage the people around me to do. And I see that other people let fear, we all do, let fear stop them mm-hmm. from going after the very things that they want. And because I have obviously let fear stop me many times in my life, but I have also overcome that fear or done it anyway many times and gotten such amazing benefits from that. It's like, I feel like that's part of my torch is that I need to help other people as much as I can move through those experiences so they can come out on the other side and get more of the things that they want. So I think that's a pretty core piece of who I am and what I want to do in the world. Yeah. No, I love this saying, um, get comfortable being uncomfortable Mm. and like just always pushing outside of your comfort zone. Uh, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in terms of, well, I'm a type A personality. I like to plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I have spreadsheets and then it's like, okay, now let's just go do those things. P I know you've taken a lot of risks in terms of building your business and doing things unconventionally. Maybe what, what's one example of something that you, you jumped into, even though you were like, yeah, I don't know if that one's going to work out. (laughs) And, and something that turned out beautiful and then something that you're like, yeah, no, that failed miserably. Mm. And this is what I learned from it. I will, um, I'll tell you the second one first. Okay. So, you know, I built this agency. It's going really well. Immediately I go, what's next, right? <laughs> because I'm an right? entrepreneur. Yeah. 
duh. Um, so <laughs> then I think, okay, you know, looking into this, like building assets, income producing assets. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That like really opened my eyes. Built an online course, trying yep. to figure out what that would look like. So a couple of years into that experience, um, I joined a program to teach me how to grow a coaching program. Okay. Like a high ticket coaching program, yep. because that is how you can really help people achieve things better than just selling a, a digital product course because information, mm-hmm. let's admit, let's uh, agree it's cheap and free. It's that's not how you help people just with the information. Um, although information can be eye-opening, I'm not saying it's not, but yeah. Um, so I joined this program. It's very expensive. And then I start to implement this process and I hire lots of people. So I have, a, I have a lot of excess money and time because my agency is going well. So I hire you know, $15,000 here for a funnels program, $15,000 here for a, oh, for a sales team, you know, cause I was like, I don't know how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hire experts to do it now. Yep. I am all about hiring experts. I teach people how to become experts to be hired, but I did not trust myself enough to think that I would know how to do this or could learn it easily enough. And I believed that these other people would do it. Anyway, point is I just from those three things, it was about a $40,000 investment and the thing just didn't work. Mm -hmm. Now the thing didn't work for many reasons. One of them in retrospect is my own, was my own mindset going into it, thinking that I could just hire other people to solve problems before I had a real grasp on how it would work. Mm. That was one. And two, like really just not um, being willing to my own mindset. I was not willing to learn a lot of these things. So I should have, I'm getting too granular, but I should have learned how to be a great salesperson and then hired a sales team. Instead, I thought money mm. would take care of it. You know, $15,000 plus all the commission, I must have spent yeah. almost $25,000 with them and it didn't do, any, it didn't do anything. Um, but it wasn't, but the best lesson was it wasn't really their fault. Like I didn't set them up for success. And, yeah. and as much as at the time it felt like I had spent a lot of money I shouldn't have. Fast forward three years later, and I started growing. So this is my win. This is my, you asked for the the time it didn't work. Okay, That's the time it didn't work. Okay. Fast forward three years. And last year I decided I'm going to do a a different model, but a similar idea to that. But I'm only going to teach one to two person branding agencies how to build my model. And I'm going to go all in on this niche. Yeah. And I'm terrified. You've done a great job. Yeah. Are there enough people in this niche? not just in this niche that don't want to build huge agencies, right? Like I'm not teaching how to build a huge agency with team. I'm teaching a very specific model of business. Are there enough people? So that's an example of, I'm going to do this thing, even though I'm scared shitless that this is not going to work and it's going beautifully. I mean, it's been, it's been way more successful than I could have even imagined when we're just not even 12 months into it. Um, That's awesome. But this is why I wanted to bring these two up. This is going so successfully in part because of that experience I had three years before, because that experience three years before planted the seeds for so many things. And it taught me so many things so that when I was ready to do it, this, that's why I've been able to do it so well and so quickly, because I actually learned these lessons three years ago. So none of that was a waste. It was worth every penny to have had that experience three years ago because it set me up to be super uh, it, it got rid of so much friction. I needed to experience that. If I had been doing this without having had that first experience, I mm-hmm. probably would have still hired people to, I, I wouldn't have 
I would have thought that there were other people that could have done this better for me and I should hire them. And now I knew this time around, nope, I actually know how to do this stuff. And I did it and it worked out well. So even when it doesn't work out, it's the best thing that you can do because the lessons are worth every penny. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Man, I've got questions on sales to talk to you about. <laughs> I'm going to go into that in just a second. But as you, so so this experience three years ago that, you know, in many cases, especially for a small business, $40,000 could have been quite devastating. And maybe it it was, and some people could have taken them out. But applying those lessons to where you are now, you mentioned that you now feel confident in, in being able to do this for yourself. What are some other lessons that you brought with you that have allowed you to be so successful as we're talking right now? I learned so many things in that experience. Trust yourself was the biggest one. Yeah. Um, a- another big one was you don't want to do it all yourself. It, and there are so many, it is so important to learn from experts to make it go faster and more efficiently. Like people have done it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but there is a piece of it that you have to always own when it's your business. And yeah. I think investing in your own understanding and skills first is always the best investment. And so what I learned, so I am funny enough, like I am like building a team very quickly, <laughs> um, but I'm building a team the way, the what I think is the right way now that I learned after many, many mistakes where I'm only hiring people once I know exactly what that needs to be and look like so that I can properly hire and train mm-hmm. these people. Set them and, up for success. Yep. And I think v- most people, most small businesses hire to try to outsource something they don't have time to do, aren't quite sure, hoping somebody else will fix the problem and nobody else is going to fix the problems of your business. So I am of the philosophy that you need to really get your business profitable. You need to really build your own systems and processes, and then you can plug people into it. And that is the fuel on your fire, but it is not how you fix a broken business. And you have to be really real with yourself with that. Um, so I am, and, and I've still had mistakes in hiring this year. It's not like everyone I've hired has just been like a superstar, but, oh, it, but I'm, I'm not scared about it as much because success is not a linear process, right? Like it's not a line that just goes straight up. And actually you're constantly kind of trying new things and failing at them in order to figure out what the lessons are to go. But the line will be going up if you're always yeah. just trying, learning, readjusting, and you keep moving forward. Um, and to your point about the 40,000, yes, that could have taken somebody out. Absolutely. I only made that investment because my business, I understand how to generate cash from my business, which is why I don't think anybody should go into selling courses or building anything scalable or any of that, which requires time and money investment until their business is able to generate cash on demand because you can't really make a mistake then like, okay, I'll have to work. I'll have to take a couple more clients, but I know how to generate that cash. You're not going to ever get into a, a bad situation. Okay. So I love that you're talking about sales and hiring people. There are so many different questions I could ask you right here. 2021 has been so hard in terms of like the talent pool. Like, I don't know where anyone's going as like, you know, sometimes we find amazing people and sometimes it's like, wow, how was I so blind? I want to ask you a question about sales though, because I've been running into this myself. I have pretty much sold every single dollar that came through my agency and 
I never consider myself a salesperson. And I don't know if you you have felt that way as well, but but obviously you are your top salesperson. So what would what would you say is like the greatest insight you've discovered for yourself in terms of selling your yourself and your company? Like yeah, that helps you overcome that sales hurdle. So I also like never think of myself as a salesperson. Thought I was a really bad salesperson. Yeah, um, built my whole model so I wouldn't have to sell anything. Right, yep. like that's what my brand shrink is. My brand shrink and putting prices on my site, like everything being so transparent. A lot of that was driven by the fact that I don't want to have to pitch myself or have to sell people. Yep. So the prices <laughs> are there, like you buy it or not, and that's kind of how I sell. Turns out I'm a great salesperson <laughs> because. <laughs> Because I'm not thinking about it as sales at all. I'm legitimately going like, are you a good fit? Like, let me understand your problem. Like, hmm, I don't know if I can help you with that. I'm genuinely not trying to close anyone who's not a perfect fit. And Mm -hmm. at this point, and you do have to be farther along in your business for this to happen, but you will get there if you're you're always kind of working on what you're, the value you're delivering. At this point, I'm like looking for a no more than I'm Mm -hmm. looking for a yes, because I only want to work with people in my agency and in my program who are a perfect fit, who are going to have an amazing experience, who are going to get incredible results. And I know what those people look like. Mm -hmm. So if I'm asking you questions and you're not, I'm not feeling it. It's like, uh, I don't think this is a good fit. Yeah. Believe it or not, that's like a great sales tactic, but I'm not doing it from there. So my number one piece of advice is it's about your own mindset of genuinely looking for people who you can actually help and you actually feel confident you're a perfect fit for. You won't ever have to quote, sell them. You can just be yourself and yep. say, well, I have a solution for you and they will buy it if they're a perfect fit. And that doesn't feel like sales at all, but apparently it's a very effective sales. And I would have a, I have a feeling you're probably doing something similar. Yeah, no, I love that you say that because as a marketer, you know, the number one thing that we always say to clients is like, you need to understand your audience. Mm -hmm. Like you got to understand your audience. We do research on audiences, et cetera. Like you have to understand your audience. And then you're also looking to disqualify prospects as quickly as possible because you're then not wasting your time and you're not wasting their time. So getting really, I love that you brought that up and you just married those two so nicely. Um, really understanding your audience and then understanding the problems they're trying to solve. And if you can solve them. And I'll say like a couple of years ago, as I was struggling, still still struggling with the sales, like I'm not a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who was very much a salesperson said to me, he was like, Kylie, do you believe in that you're solving problems? And do you believe in what you're doing? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. He's like, then you're not selling. You're just solving problems. I was like, oh, oh, wow, that feels so much better. Thank you for that perspective. So yeah, I think I totally agree with you. Like just know exactly who you are positioned to support and help and and finding that that link. So Pia, I'm going to use that as an opportunity. Tell me a little bit more about your your program because I know you've done such a beautiful job of crafting like a lead product and the no BS blueprint and and your whole <laughs> intensive all the things and I think it's brilliant. I'm still trying to like perfect that myself following your lead. So so tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, thank you. Well, I built this Steve and I built this model. You know, we we brand our clients in a one to three day intensive. At this point most of our 
all of our clients are two-day intensives and it's $40,000 now. And clients pay us up front and they come in at 10 a.m. And at 6 p.m. the next day, it's totally done. I mean, it's a it's That's something amazing. that I wouldn't believe if I wasn't doing it like, like clockwork <laughs> over and over and over again. And it's a model and a, it's a really a process yeah. that we have perfected over, you know, the last seven or eight years. Yeah. And so I had been after my book, I had been selling this boot camp and I had been trying to, you know, do some coaching with the boot camp and stuff on the side to teach the fundamentals of how we do this. And mm-hmm. I kept it very generic or I had to keep it a little generic because I had lawyers and accountants in my group, you know, and designers and, you know, professional organizers. I had everybody yeah, and it worked for them, but I was most uh, excited when I was, whenever I was talking to people who were in our space, in the branding yeah. marketing space, because I could be so much more specific about my advice and I could yeah. read their minds and I could read the minds of their clients too. And so mm-hmm. this year, that's why I decided to double down, even though it was really scary. And so this program is the first time ever that I've actually broken down and explained. I've never even written about it. Exactly how we do that intensive model, how we build these brands in such a short period of time and how we get clients to go through this process where they say yes to everything. Like they have no changes, like there's no revisions and they're so excited and they pay so much money and the whole thing is just so magical. And so I am teaching, I think it's the model, you know, I'm biased, but (laughs) I think it's the model that any small, like one to two person branding agency they should be doing this. It's almost impossible to be profitable doing it any other way. And you can be very profitable doing it this way. So I just, I'm on a mission to teach as many people as possible how to do, how to run their business this way. I love it. One thing that comes up for me there is, you know, we talk about in running a business, like project-based revenue and recurring revenue. That Mm -hmm. very much seems like a two-day, very lucrative Mm two-day project-based revenue. But how do you ba- or do you balance project and and um, recurring revenue? I'm so glad you bring, brought that up. <laughs> so many things. Um, so we don't do. We never did recurring revenue. Okay. Um, and I know that recurring revenue. A lot of people are are going for recurring revenue because that feels like stability. My philosophy is that it it is like a false sense of stability. It is very hard to create a recurring revenue model for a service-based business and keep it profitable. Because when you are working on a recurring basis with a client, you're basically an outsourced employee. I mean, you might only Mm -hmm. be doing a certain number of hours, but you are locked into a kind of employee uh, relationship. And it's very hard to manage that at a profitable rate because there are inevitably the scope creep and project management elements, which by the way, is is a lot of the BS that we cut out that will just fill up your time. And so it really caps your income. Now, the reason I say that recurring revenue is kind of a false sense of security is because I will speak to people who, like I have this person I just talked to recently. Um, she's got about $10,000 in recurring revenue, you know, from like four, like five or six clients. Sure. And this is a lot of the time that she's spending. You know, I told her like, if you could generate so that's, let's say it's $10,000. It's $120,000. If you could generate $120,000 from, you know, six $20,000 projects that you did in a lot less time, 
Yeah. The fact that you're doing it in a recurring basis is not really, there's nothing more stable about that. And the way that Steve and I like to operate and the reason we never went into recurring is because I knew, and I teach people like to move away from that monthly, we're all stuck, like small business owners are stuck in this monthly revenue cash flow thing when really, Mm -hmm. you know, business owners think on on an annual basis. How much do you need this year? As long as you make that, you're good. So I like to think about it as this is how much I need to make and this is how many hours I need to make it in. And as long as I hit that goal, it doesn't matter if it's recurring or not. And if you don't do recurring revenue because it's so unprofitable, it's very hard to make profitable. And you just focus on increasing the value and the price point and the profitability of your projects, you can make a lot more and you can be so much more free. So Steve and I will, you know, we used to do these brand ups. We don't do as much anymore, obviously, because I'm like running this program. We would do these projects. I remember this one time we did like five in a row. That was intense. We did literally all of June. Yeah. So every week of of May and the first week of June, we did a brand up. We made over $100,000, killing ourselves, but we made over $100,000 in five weeks. And then we went to Europe for two months and came back and didn't work with anyone for another month. I mean, we took three months off and we had nobody to nobody that we had to respond to. We literally checked out the day after we finished this last brand up. That's freedom to me. That's freedom to me. So that's the model that I sell. And the idea that recurring revenue is like some sort of safe, like there's no safety. They can cancel at any time, right? Like I would rather focus on profitability and revenue and in the in-between times, invest that time into building authority and building your marketing machine so that yep. you know you're always bringing in new clients. It's mm-hmm. like the fact that they're, I would rather, you could pay me $40,000 to do this project and be done, or you could pay it to me over 12 months at $4,000 a month. What's like, why would I rather do that? I would rather do it this way. Oh, so and that's why. Because <laughs> people are always like, oh, well, if you could do this in two days versus 12 months, I would prefer 12 months. Like said no, no. one ever. Said no one Every, ever. Everyone's like, I needed this done last week. It's like, Such yeah. a good point. Such a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, And I mean, I'm sure that that's also a selling point too, is because let's be honest, like literally every client I've ever talked to is like, well, what's your timeline? Oh, last week. So like the fact that you can deliver this much value so quickly for them, I'm sure also just adds to the fact that you can continue to increase pricing, et cetera. One thing to just ask about and clarify between recurring revenue and passive revenue, Mm. thoughts on passive revenue. Yeah, everybody wants the holy grail of passive. I know, right? Passive the whole, you can make money in your sleep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. Listen, I've made money in my sleep and it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of work. It is absolutely possible. It is absolutely a beautiful model. It is something that people do before they should be. They do it before they're ready. The only way to have passive income is to have a whole machine and an audience. And the, co- the upfront cost, time and money, the upfront time and money cost to build the machine and the audience that you need to quote, make money in your sleep is very big. Everyone should, like, if you want to do that, that should absolutely be on your goals list. But you need to have excess money and, and time to invest, to create that platform, mm-hmm. to then get that going and, and build, you know, and, and not to mention, this is not like you build it and then it works. It's like you build it and you test it and you try things and you test it and it still needs to be fed forever. But yeah. yes, it is a beautiful model. 
It's just that people jump into it when they have no extra money and no extra time as if it's some sort of solution. It's not a solution. I have to convince people all the time. In fact, I tell people when they join my program, I'm like, you cannot do that while you're in this program. It would, it's just going to take your time and attention away from the thing you need to do, which is learn how to write, make a profitable business. Like you're not there yet. Yeah. Only with a profitable business should you then think about that as your next line of defense to create a new income stream. And um, yeah. that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Pia, you talked a little bit about travel and how you and Steve have, have that seems to be a value of yours. How has, and, and you kind of just talked about it a little bit, but in the way that you've built your business, like how have you been able to craft your business to really support your life and your personal goals? Yeah, I mean, Steve and I really because we're both such intense people, <laughs> intense workers, and we both love our work and we get really into it. We prefer to vacation in like big chunks. We prefer to go on these like epic trips. So, you know, before we started our business, we went on this four month, like sojourn to the BVIs and like trying to figure out like what life was all about in the Caribbean. Um, we did this two month trip, like bombing around Europe and really just bought a one-way ticket and rented a car. Like we didn't really know what that was going to look like. We were kind of figuring it out as we went. We both really value the unexpected parts of travel. So neither of us like to plan our travel. Mm -hmm. And you can't have that kind of experience when you're going somewhere for five days because you have to make the most of it. So yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So we kind of like in order to have the kinds of, ex and by the way, when you don't plan, you also end up in places that are not that fun. Right. But you also get <laughs> to stumble upon things that are more incredible than they ever could have been. And partially just because they were unexpected and you stumbled upon it because it like was part of this whole thing. And I yeah. really love that about travel. So that only works <laughs> in this model, because if you're working with clients and, you know, um, on a regular basis, or you need to be checking in with them, you can't really check out. Yeah. And so, um, a lot of this has, all of this has been to facilitate a lifestyle that we want. Now we have a three and a half year old and there's COVID. So we haven't been able right. to do that kind of stuff for a while. So we do it a little bit differently. Like we just rented, um, a beach house for the month of August because our, our son is young. So we're mm. going to like go be there for the month of August. And I think that that's, you know, as figuring it out as parents with a young child. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like for a little while. And then when he gets a little older, we'll, we'll start doing that. Like, hopefully it'll be okay. Right. Be able to travel again like that. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. I, I love to travel too. And I just feel like I've like almost lost two years of my life and I'm like, I miss the world so bad. Yeah over it, but we don't need to, we, we don't need another conversation about COVID. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk yes, about that yes. anymore. It, it worked out nicely because my son is young and we probably wouldn't have been doing anything too interesting anyway. Yeah. Well, Pia, you have accomplished so much in your journey. And I, I know this is just like the middle of your journey, but what would you say you are most proud of as of this point? Jeez. Um, that I kept going. I mean, I don't really think it's, um, can't imagine not keeping going, but I'm glad that I have continued. I'm proud that I have expanded my capacity to reach for things that are farther and farther out of my reach. And I'm, and I'm proud that I have 
continued to dig into the pieces that were emotionally challenging and try to work on them as opposed to letting limiting beliefs just be there. Like I spend a lot of energy and time doing things to work on those limiting beliefs by myself with coaches, you know, in different capacities, like something, I don't want to do something. I feel triggered by something, something bothered me. Mm -hmm. I go like, I get to the bottom of it as much as I can, because I know that working on those things is that if I just work on those things, the success just will come, right? Like that's really the stuff that decides how successful you are. And that's not easy stuff to do, but I'm proud that I have continued to lean into the uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I love that you said that. Um, because I think I agree with you. Um, I think it's, we have to continue to invest in ourselves. We are the greatest tool and resource that we have. And, and so often there's like this whole village behind us that nobody really knows about. Who would you say are your, like your, I guess if you call them like your personal board of directors kind of thing, like who, who's in your circle there that's helping you to navigate all these bumps and bruises? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have, um, I have multiple coaches that I work with in different capacities. Um, One of them is specifically for the more like emotional trigger stuff. So anytime, like at least once a week, I will have a call just to talk about those things and figure out what the source of them is and try Mm. to unhook them. Um, I have a, a, a woman who like does hypnosis Really? Where, yeah, I do cool. hypnosis sometimes um, with her, especially whenever like things are really stressful and she kind of helps me like re- reposition my perspective on things. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm part of a coaching program, um, yeah. learning how to scale up this um, this program that I'm doing, um, which is an incredible just wealth of knowledge from not just the person who's running it and all it's, it's called black belt. So Taki Moore is the head of it. You know, he's brilliant. And then they have the coaches inside who are brilliant. And then it's full of amazing coaches who are so giving. So just being part of a community of people who are willing to share their own experiences. Um, that is also incredibly helpful. And then of course, like I spend time with other entrepreneurs that I have, I mean, that have now become my good friends, but I have a group of entrepreneurial friends most of them are women, not all of them, but most of them are women who are, who are also approaching their business with the same philosophy. And it's just good to talk to those people on a regular basis because they keep you on your toes and it's good to both have their perspective and their feedback on what you're doing and also see them with their limits and kind of recognizing, Hmm, do I do that too? So, um, I would say those are, that's my community. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a unique space to be in as an entrepreneur. It's just nice to be surrounded by other people who understand because mm-hmm. so many people don't. <laughs> yeah. And people who are doing more than you too. Like I like to surround oh, myself yeah. with people who are much more successful than I am because they really push me to see what's possible. And like they keep repositioning in my own mind what's possible. And I think yeah. that's really important because if I just hung out with people that I think I grew up with who are more like an employee mindset. Like I think I would be much more limited in what mm-hmm. I think I could do. So let me ask you this. Is there, do we, do we know what's next? 
Is there something that might oh be my God. cooking? Yeah, of course. I have so many things. I like not <laughs> enough time, <laughs> not enough time to open the four other businesses that I'm very excited about. Yeah, no, this, this business, I see it gets all of my love and attention, but it's, it's again, like it's a tool also for me to then help me go to the next place, which is, I mean, my partner. So a lot of this has been so that Steve can be a full-time artist. And so he mm-hmm. has been a full-time artist for the past year and a half, like really full-time, except That's we do gift. some, whenever we do some client brand ups besides that. And then he's, he like does most of the work for those, but, but he's a full-time artist, but his art career and using and implementing all the things that we've learned about branding and marketing. We know so yeah. much about marketing now. Yep. Like we have so many things that we want to do with that. And he's doing it, but I really want to get in there and help him in a more substantial way. And I'm not quite there yet because I don't quite have enough time, but that is like later in the year. And that has so much potential. That's been my long-term plan has been the art. Like to me, the art is the ultimate, the ultimate expression of success in branding and marketing is creating a famous artist. <laughs> so that's oh my gosh. My, so that's my it. long-term, that's like one of my long-term goals, one of many. But I love how that also not only taps into the professional skill sets that you have and have developed, but it also taps into your personal life and and supporting your partner in in so many different ways. I mean, at the end of the day, like I really believe people are what matter. Like, why are we doing any of this? Like, it's just for the people that we care about. Like, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And it's and Steve and I like we fell in love with on like our shared passion of ideas and implementing ideas. Like he's very, um, he's very enthusiastic about the same kinds of things. And like, we get really jazzed about that stuff. So it's fun to like, look at these projects and work on them together and to do them, you know, in front of our child who will grow up Mm -hmm. seeing his parents always trying new things. And, And to me, always evolving and kind of adjusting and trying new things and doing new things is also how we keep life fresh and exciting and like makes life really long in a good way. I think if you get into a rut and stay somewhere, time goes by like that. And so I want to kind of always be shifting and evolving so that that doesn't happen. So my life doesn't just like flash before my eyes. Yeah. So Pia, let me ask, uh, we, we've got just a couple of questions as we wrap up here. Yeah. What impact or what legacy do you want to be building or to leave? Yeah. So my big passion and goal is really empowering very small micro businesses to learn how to be really excellent and profitable. And I think excellence and profitability actually go together. I don't think you can be excellent without being profitable because you need yeah. the space and the time to invest to becoming that. Um, and I, and I am obviously a big fan of small businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more small businesses there are and that we feed that where those people are making more money than they need. I think that is, I've always felt like that was the key to more larger change. Like the more people out there who are generating value out of their own skills and mental energy, not creating a widget. Like I love Shark Tank, but like half the stuff on there, I'm like, <laughs> oh, do we really need that? And now you're going to like selling make, stuff. You're going to make a lot of that stuff. And now it's going to all, I just picture the the plastic islands, you know, 
I just always think of the plastic islands. That's why I don't, um, I've never been interested in working with product businesses. So, but when you're a service provider, you are literally generating value in the world out of your own, just your own know-how and, and, um, effort. And so I think we, I want there to be as much value generated out of brain, out of brain power (laughs) as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key to creating more abundance and generosity for the greater good. So that's my, that's the way I can contribute to that. Um, while also like supporting small businesses and local businesses more than supporting like just the big conglomerates because they seem to be doing the opposite. Um, so that's really my, my mission. And I'm doing that with this program. And I think if like the more people I can help in this program do that, I think the ripple effect will be tremendous because their clients will also be helped and affected by that. And hopefully because they will be changing their mindset about profitability and understanding value and all of that, they'll pass that on to their clients. And that's what I hope to do with it. I love all that. I a hundred percent agree with all that. Um, all right. So my last question for you, Pia, is what is your greatest insight or your greatest discovery between life and entrepreneurship? Um, <laughs> Just, you know, good question. I, get, you, get you good. You know, if you're doing it right, they should be feeding each other. Oh, I love that. They're so yeah. succinct. That was, there you go. That's yeah. It. All right. Okay. And mic drop, right? Like, <laughs> holy cow. Drop. Beautiful. Um, all right, Pia. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Um, If people want to reach out to you for more information, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Good question. Um, Well, if you're a small branding agency, you should go join my Facebook group, uh, No BS Agency Owners. It's free and I have like dozens of free trainings in there that talk all about this model, changing your mindset, all of that. Um, so that's Nobs Agency Owners, and then um, you can also go to Nobs Agency Owner uh, NobsAgencies dot com, and you can grab that blueprint. And that I kind of in that blueprint, I kind of just outline exactly what this model looks like and the three mm-hmm. cornerstones that you need to implement in order to move into a Nobs agency, make it happen. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. Well, we will make sure that that's in the show notes as well. Thank you, Pia, so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank You're you. lovely. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so much, Kylie. Appreciate you. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com. dot